Hey guys, welcome back to the Grad Life Podcast. This time we've got with us Jane Myrna, who's actually my cousin. So thank you for joining, cuz. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Mark. Um, so Jane is a couple of years below me and has always been like full of beans and just full of kind of personality and charisma. And I always knew she was going to do very well. So I'm actually kind of very excited to just show off all the things that she's been doing over the past couple of years. Um, and we're going to pick it up with Jane probably at university stage. So when she was in DCU in Dublin. Uh, studying international business and German. Is that right, Jane? Yeah. So, so, yeah, thanks again for having me, Mark. No, thank you for coming. That um, that course is like a really prestigious course to do. What's it like? It, a lot of people want to do it. So what's it like when you actually do it? Yeah, I think looking back on it now, I'd definitely just describe it as a very fast-paced course. Um, because with the nature of it, for those who don't know, um, it was a double degree that I did where I spent two years in DCU um, studying global business in German. And then I went on to move to Germany where I did a second degree in international management through German. And in that four year block, I also had to do two internships. So if you can kind of imagine like a general or like an, an average um, college life or lifespan is about three, four years, mine were kind of cut down into a year and a half in each university. So I kind of definitely had to learn the balance quickly of kind of work hard, play hard, kind of making sure that I was keeping up with my studies, getting through things, but also having a life outside of that because it's pretty, I'd say academically challenging, but look, I got through it in the end. How did it stand to you being in such a fast paced course? Um, I think it definitely helped me to kind of well, it helped me learn a lot about myself and that I could adapt to new environments really quickly because it wasn't just moving country. It was changing friends, feeling like I was missing out on things in DCU, learning languages, kind of, it was also super competitive. I was with a lot of international people who were super intelligent, super highly academic and were a lot more focused on what I was doing than I was almost. <laughs> and so I think it definitely taught me to kind of stay in my own lane and prioritize how I was feeling what I wanted to do and it didn't matter if I wasn't the one getting a one one and everything as long as I was kind of balancing what I wanted to prioritize so for me a lot of that was society life and just like enjoying college as much as you can which I think is really important like college is far from about or all about the academics like you need to kind of enjoy the balance side of it um no, go on. Oh, no, I was just going to say that, like, I definitely had my, my struggles throughout college with a couple of different modules. I Even I filled out the CAO again in second year. I was going to go and do culinary entrepreneurship because I struggled a bit with the kind of the mathsy side of things. And I was like, this isn't for me. So I think it was definitely important for me to kind of gain a lot of my, and I, I knew I couldn't specialize as well until final year. So for me, it was like, right, get through that and make the most out of kind of the fun part of college and try to kind of intertwine them both. When I um, interview people for this, they always say that uh, one of the things that they either wish they did or the best thing they did was move abroad during college or do like an Erasmus year or a couple of months, like a semester abroad type thing. You did, was it two years abroad or one? Like you did loads of time away. Yeah, it was two years. So the whole second half of my um, degree was all in Germany, which I think was great because I don't think one year would have been enough. But I also think that that's where kind of 
the huge challenge for a lot of people who did the course just because everything was in German. So it was kind of more as helpless as you felt moving over to a new country and doing all these like modules. Is as hard as you tried or as intelligent as you were, the language is always a barrier. So I think it taught a lot of like resilience in that sense as well. And for me, it kind of stood to me a lot in my working life in that now I know that I couldn't be in a working environment that wasn't international just because some of my best friends are from Spain, America, the Netherlands, Germany. And I think there's so much to be taken from that. Yeah, it is. It's, it's like, it's literally the best educator. I think someone can get traveling and moving abroad and being put out of their comfort zone like that. Um, I remember you telling me kind of like laughing about it, about like categorizing the different friends you had in Germany based on their German ability. So it's you and some people who would just like fly through and have perfect German, then others who had gone over and like their German had a lot to be desired for, but they still managed to get by and kind of find other strengths. Like they, if they had maybe big personalities, they were able to communicate with people in other ways and kind of get by. What's that like? If someone is listening to this now and, uh, is doing say French, Spanish, German, whatever, and they just don't think their language skills are up to scratch to move abroad. What would you say to those people? Oh, great question. Um, I mean, honestly, I think it's so easy to kind of feel tongue-tied when you get into that and say, "God, my German isn't good enough; they won't understand." But I just think go for it. Still to this day, I consider myself pretty fluent, and my grammar is still all over the place. And people kind of laugh off and say, "Jesus, how are you still saying that?" and I think people admire you the um, kind of the more for it because you're trying to communicate with them. I think it's very easy for native English speakers to fall back on English because we assume and most people do speak through English. So I think even breaking the barrier and saying a couple of things in their language even breaks the barrier for creating friendships and kind of breaking down any walls that you can have, which make the life there a whole lot easier. And you pick it up eventually. Like, again, I was throwing words around left, right and centre. They didn't really get what I was saying, but they kind of nodded along and then my confidence got better and it all eventually clicks. But I think it's the people who kind of stay quiet, quieter for longer that kind of struggle more in the end. So I say just go for it, throw words together and eventually things will click. Yeah, I actually think that's probably the main area of growth when you move away to a foreign speaking, uh, to, to a, a foreign country with a different language is how well you cope with being the odd one out and having uh, poorer um, like spoken skills, how you navigate that and work around that. And you, you, people come back from these trips with just an extra edge or an extra dimension to their personality and their character from doing that. So I would say it's like a hugely important thing to take advantage of if it is within your uh, realm when you're in college, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I think even, to be honest, beyond the whole language aspect of things comes the kind of cultural side of things. So I think any, every country has their stereotypes. And again, I have a lot of best friends from these countries, so I don't mind saying them, but a lot of people think Germans are maybe uptight or they're very hardworking. And I don't know, Spanish can be, I, I don't even know. People have their boxes. And I think it's also very important to kind of meet people and kind of say, wow, you don't fit that box at all or god you do and and kind of understand that and also kind of learn things from them learn okay i i picked up a bit of the german work ethic and i don't know a bit of the like spanish way of kind of relaxing and taking things in their own pace and i think those things also attributed to how i grew how i grew 
kind of throughout my time in Germany. As yeah. well as just the language. Yeah, there's a cultural intelligence there that grows for sure. And that can't be replicated. Like that's there's no mm. no amount of Zoom calls can give that to you. Like that's that's immersion. That's all the oh, immersion's the yeah. only thing that can give you that. Um, yeah. So it, a common thing now is with these tech companies throughout uh, Europe, and obviously Dublin and, and London probably being the main hubs for them, they really value people with foreign language skills to sell into those markets uh, from, say, Dublin. So if you have an Irish person who can speak fluent German, that's really valuable to people. And uh, they, they get paid more than the, the English speaking reps because they are like they do have an extra uh, layer of skill to them. How can people get into that? world from say commerce in german or global business in german background yeah great question so i feel like there's kind of quite a few routes coming out um into kind of how to branch into it a lot of grad programs are always looking for for people who have a certain language and they typically have offices around the world and as you said a lot of tech companies so i think once you kind of identified the area you want to go in for me it was definitely sales um I think just go ahead and apply for the job, even if you think that your language isn't strong enough, because there are things that you can learn as long as you're confident enough to even try a string conversation together. The, these tech companies will provide some kind of aid to kind of ease you into it, whether it's maybe building up a, a business vocabulary that you may not have had before, or even speaking it on a day-to-day basis with your coworkers. Um, and I think, Again, it's a great way of if you felt like in, in college, maybe you didn't immerse yourself enough with a lot of international people as you would have liked to, maybe you stuck in an Irish bubble. It's a good way of starting with a, a tech company and meeting a lot of other international similar minded people um, who are doing the same thing as you. Yeah. Yeah, I just like the, there's so much value there. And it's such an obvious kind of path. Was that path obvious to you when you were at that stage, like still in college trying to figure out what you were going to do next or where was your head at, at at that point as you were coming up to graduation? Oh God, no, I was, I think in the same boat of it as a lot of people, I was applying for grad programs because my friends did and it just felt like it was the thing I had to do and kind of the further into a lot of the rounds I got, I was like, I really don't want to do this. And um, for me, I kind of, I thought I wanted to move away again. I definitely get to travel itch a lot so I was actually planning on moving to Amsterdam with a tech company a startup and then I was flicking through LinkedIn one day and was kind of applying for anything in the area of sales or marketing and applying very freely with the easy apply button and that's when I kind of said okay I'll try this tech thing out because I'd already worked in the healthcare industry and I'd already worked in fashion industry so for me it was kind of going to we'll say narrow my road a bit into figuring out what I really wanted to do ultimately so it definitely wasn't clear but I was kind of open to try anything and that's when I came across Salesforce and it ended up being a good fit yeah so Salesforce (laughs) was your first uh was your first kind of like real job out of college like that was the first kind of full-time on a program all that sort of stuff yeah um, so I went in there pretty much straight after college I moved back from Germany in July and I think I started there in August and I think you were kind of similar with Google, Mark, in that, like, I know you said a few times that when you started, like, you didn't really know much about what they did and no. Um, no, I thought the AdWords. Code. I thought everyone in Google needed to be able to code, which was just bizarre. <laughs> it shows how far off I was. 
But the thing is, that's such a common thing because unless you're actually immersed into researching about a business or understanding their product, it's everything fits into a box until you break the box. Yeah. So I didn't really know much about Salesforce until that I know it was one of the largest tech companies in the world and the number one CRM system. But um, I think kind of going into that and when I obviously was straight out of college as well, it kind of opened up myself into realizing, God, okay, I actually really enjoy tech. And it also ticked the box of having a super international environment because I actually started there on the German team and ended up moving over to the UK team. So another thing I'll say is for anyone who's going to like apply for a job and a lot of these kind of bigger tech companies out of college, a lot of them, if they've kind of taken the time to interview you, if they think that you're a fit for the company, they'll also take the time to kind of make sure that your path is the right fit for you. So if you start in an area that you think it maybe isn't for you, make sure to kind of speak up and say to your managers and make it vocal because a lot of the time they'd rather retain you and put you in the right in the right path as opposed to let you go if it's not right. Yeah. So I learned that I loved, I kind of established a great group of German friends. I kept speaking my language, which is really important for me. Um, but I kind of ultimately said I didn't want to move back to Germany just yet. So I switched to the UK team. Um, which was, I suppose, great flexibility that it offered. I remember, um, I remember the picture in the family WhatsApp when you joined, and it was you and like there was so many other people from all different walks of life. And um, I remember explaining it to Nana, our granny, in in my house, and like she couldn't believe that you had all of these different people and you were going out doing all these different activities with them and the whole cultural element of Salesforce and like how much fun you were having with work and then like how much money a graduate was making and all this sort of stuff. Uh, like the, the benefits of joining a company like Salesforce off the bat, what are they? Like, what are they like? I mean, first off, like you said, it's typically the people you work with. Um, any kind of company like that, they're, they're hiring, I wouldn't even say a certain kind of person, but it's someone that aligns with their values. So when you go in there, you're meeting a lot of similar minded people or you're meeting a lot of people who come from different walks of life that you've never even, they open your mind to a lot of things you never came across in your life, but a lot of people share the same values. And so I think that's what makes it so fun as well, because you feel like from your first week, you're just in work with loads of your friends and it feels like you're not doing a tap. <laughs> but I think that's definitely one huge plus from them. I think with a lot of the tech companies as well, like they offered a lot of freedom and um, which I now, which I learned then was very important for me in a job and that we were given our laptops, we were given our tasks to do. And as long as we did them, it didn't matter if we hopped off to meetings with different people or moved up to a different floor, sat beside someone else. Um, as long as we got our job done, they trusted us that we did it. And it was not, it was very much anti-micromanaging, um, which I think helps a lot of people to grow themselves. Um, and also they had freedom to move between offices. So if I wanted to go over to Amsterdam to visit my friend or whatever, I could work from the Salesforce office there. So it allows you to really have a work-life balance and be more flexible with it, which I think especially for our generation, we, we definitely need with all the traveling that people do. Yeah, that's a very valuable thing to be able to work like remotely from home or whatever. Your life is just 10 times better because you can literally go on holidays if you want to go to barcelona go to barcelona and then just work while you're there so you can have a full week or two weeks yeah. there and live the whole like barcelona nightlife whatever you want to do 
and you don't have to take any annual leave. Like it's, it's ridiculous. It's incredible. Right. It is ridiculous when you say it out loud, but <laughs> it gets the job done and something's working, I suppose. <laughs> That's it. It's mad. And like with COVID-19 now, these tech companies are becoming even more uh, kind of prestigious to work for because you can work from home and like they're the companies who are surviving the most and a lot of them are even thriving throughout it. And uh, yeah, yeah like it, it really is incredible. Now, having said all this, you did leave Salesforce after a year. So what was the thinking there? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, Salesforce ended up ticking all the boxes. Um, it made me kind of realize that I did want to go into a sales career. It made me realize that I did love tech. However, as I said earlier on, I definitely kept getting the travel itch. And that's when I kind of had to sit down and say to myself, okay, do you want to follow this path and accompany that you love with these friends that you've made? Because it's a very clear divine path. And I kind of went over it for a while and I told myself I wouldn't have been happy if I if I missed the opportunity to go abroad again. And that's when the grad visa came to mind because um, obviously I had a year-long window to move over to the US. And it was kind of just before Christmas and my window was ending in June and I kind of told myself, I'm just going to go ahead and do this. So I tried to move within the company and um, for anyone who had been to the US themselves, they'll know that there's kind of a lot of restraints and restrictions with the visa because you can't do a full-time role. It has to be an internship or a traineeship. Mm. And I had just been promoted within Salesforce so that wasn't a fit so then I kind of just decided look this is a great company and I know I can always come back if I need in the future but for me I had to kind of prioritize and um, moving over so I did what uh Ollie from Grad Life would always talk about like the idea of mental models and how you kind of arrive at decisions it's basically like what kind of framework did you think about when you were or think through when you were making that decision was it this opportunity is here once it's inflexible and uh, Salesforce will always be there and that's flexible or was it kind of like YOLO or like what was the, what way did you look at that? No, yeah, it wasn't as much a YOLO. It was more kind of me strategically putting things out. So it was definitely the fact that, you know, I wasn't sure when I could move to the US again and there were talks in Salesforce, you know, if I stayed there for the next few years, the the opportunity could arise in the future but I couldn't really hold on to it to a what if or a maybe. And I knew for me in that stage of my life that I was at, I don't think I would have continued to grow the same way um, that I potentially could have in Salesforce because I would have felt like I was almost stuck there um, because I knew I wanted to be somewhere else. So that was definitely one thing for me that kind of stood out and not that Salesforce will always be there, but I think I... I don't know, they're always going to continue to grow. And I feel like if you leave a good reputation in any kind of company, and they'll under, they understood why I wanted to move is what I wanted to say. So they understood, they prioritized, they said, look, this is something you need to do. And I appreciate that. So um, I kind of made a list of what for me was most important at that time of my life and travel was, was at the top of it. So I took it. Mm. And with the average millennial, I think it's expected to change jobs over 10 times over the course of their career. Salesforce know they have a good chance of getting you back. So people would be surprised how understanding some of the employers can be about this sort of stuff. And they understand that leaving on good terms with you keeps open pipeline for candidates and talent for them, uh, which is a really valuable thing. 
which is something I was surprised about and I was pretty scared. And then some people kind of said to me, look, if this is something you have to do, we support you and we would love to have you back. And I think for me as well, I knew that in the long, because Salesforce is a company that, not, that I know I would like to work for in the long run, just because I love the product, I love the culture. And so I knew I'd be a more valuable employee to them, having done this experience as well, because I, I knew it would have broadened not only my sales experience, but also me as a person. Yeah. So in my head, I was kind of, a, you know, a win-win for everyone. Yeah. So what was it like then? You got the visa, you went over to New York, like a huge move to make. Uh, something that a lot of graduates would love to do. What was it like? Like you obviously flew over, you landed, you had an accommodation, whatever. What was it like from there, kind of getting set up socially and having a job and all sorts of stuff? Yeah. So when I got over there, I'd actually never even been to America. <laughs> um, so <laughs> wow. I didn't really what I was doing. And um, I think I think with the grad visa, you're, people, who, who if you know anyone who's done it, you're going to hear a lot of different kind of opinions and paths that people had taken. Some people go over and, they loved the idea of working part-time and working in a bar and um, they prioritize where they want to live. For me, it was more, I knew the kind of job that I wanted. So I applied on LinkedIn for a lot of different jobs um, in a lot of different tech companies before I moved over because I wanted to have some kind of um, pre-interview done before I went over just to kind of feel make me feel like I had some kind of security um, in my job because obviously it's only a year and America's expensive. So that was my priority. So landed there, had no clue where was best to live, what was best to do. So um, I think Irish people are very lucky in the US that there's a lot of really strong Irish communities. So there's a lot of Facebook groups and people are looking for roommates and swapping accommodation the whole time and posting jobs. So that's a great way to kind of put your foot in the door of both making friends and um, finding a place to live. So very fortunate that I found two great roommates and um, they were both Irish one was a fashion designer one was a jewelry designer and um, which I loved because I think it's also very important to kind of be around people who don't do exactly what you do so when you get home from work you're not chatting with the same stuff and they kind of broaden your mind another bit and um, yeah that was great and I suppose another criteria for me to kind of immerse myself was when I was choosing my company I wanted to work in a kind of pretty American culture um, just because I didn't want to get stuck in too much of an Irish bubble either. So I think once you're kind of somewhat proactive on the on the job front or you use your network, um, the Irish network well, um, you'll eventually come across something. And then I, I, I got lucky that I got, I think I had an interview my first day when I arrived over. Wow. <laughs> yeah, um, that was with Yelp. Um, and you know, I had my telephone interview, I was super jet lagged, sat in my friend's bed, um, I was in her Airbnb and did the phone interview on a Friday. They called me in on the Monday and then offered me job I think it was like the following Thursday or Wednesday. Um so I was very lucky things moved pretty fast and I started on my job uh early July, so after a month of being over there. And I had the balance of kind of like doing my touristy bits in the first month and then getting into work, which was great. God, so you were pretty lucky then with the velocity at which things kind of happened for you. Yeah, I, I was. And I think it was because I was a little bit proactive before going over. Um, I, I had already had a lot of no's before that as well. Um, a lot of visa issues, a lot of companies were like, cool, yeah, we'll hire you tomorrow. And then they realized that I only had a 12-month visa and it didn't work out. So I definitely had a lot of 
hurdles before um, getting offered that job but it ended up working out really well for me in the end and I'm very glad that I had that experience. So if someone wants to do that now, they want to go and do that grad visa. I know you said the agency uh, are gone, but there will be other agencies. There'll always be an agency there. Um, what would you advise them to do? Like step by step, what's the best way to kind of nail this America, America grad visa thing? In applying for the visa or in kind of just sorting yourself out when you get over? Sorting yourself out when you get over. Okay, yeah. So... Um, I think, first of all, as soon as you apply for the visa, join all those Facebook groups. There's one called Let's Make Our Lives Easier. Um, I think there's another one called like Irish NYC. And that's going to be your kind of little hub for everything you do. That's where like, you're going to meet a lot of similar-minded people who may have done a similar degree to you. If you're looking for a roommate, there's rooms posting there the whole time. So it gives you a little bit of home away from home and a bit of kind of security before you go over. So I think that's definitely a really good place to start. I know with New York, it depends a lot depending on your industry. So um, again, I worked with, um, or I lived with my roommates who were in fashion and jewelry. And I know a lot of people in like um, the jewelry space or any kind of an artsy space, they kind of find it more difficult to find paid work. So they typically work at a bar on the side and then do maybe two days for free um, working in the studio with um, some kind of artist in the area. So I think make sure to kind of be proactive and reach out because there are a couple of paid jobs going there, but they're very few. And then in terms of anyone in a similar industry to myself, I think um, LinkedIn is going to be your best friend. Do a lot of kind of really broad searches on anything that you're interested in um, in any kind of industry you're interested in and just even reach out to recruiters kind of get your face known and try to get a few interviews set up before you go over because it'll take a little bit of the stress off because once you get to New York you're applying for social security numbers you're finding accommodation you're taking it all in you know there's so much going on that it just kind of makes the whole experience a little bit more seamless if you've done kind of the things that you can preempt before yeah yeah interesting and then when they get there like there's obviously good neighborhoods to live and all that sort of stuff but it's probably going to be based mostly off like where your friends are and that sort of thing yeah so um i think that's definitely one element but it's always changing like i know when i was there um there was kind of three areas you had your brooklyn your queens and your manhattan so in brooklyn you had your bushwick that was the artsy part you had your um cool part in Williamsburg, more expensive in Manhattan, um, Queens, there was a lot of Irish out there. So I think things do change with time. So if you, again, inquire with a couple of people on the Facebook pages, they'll kind of let you know who's a similar wave to you and what will suit your budget as well. Because you can get some, like I was paying the same amount in New York as I was in Dublin, which is just hilarious, I think. Right. Um, Yeah. Would you be crazy to do it on your own or should you do it with friends always? No, I mean, I decided to go over by myself and then I happened to know people. Um, right, okay. I think you're absolutely, yeah, I'd support that cause, because I think it's very easy for people to go abroad and that's when they kind of stick in their clicks and of course they're going to have a great year regardless, but I, I don't know if your experience is going to be kind of what it should be when you travel. And so I think anyone going away alone, it's, it, there's a good group of people out there you can make friends with and I think you're, you'll probably take the most out of year than anyone else. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm conscious of, of Zoom's time. One thing I want to ask you is that like, 
you've done incredibly well so far. You've had such a kind of strong start to your career and done been in great companies and done the international thing now and all that sort of stuff. What's been the hardest part of it or the biggest challenge that you faced in it so far? Hmm. Um, I think it's, for me so far, I feel quite lucky that I've had no major bumps in my road yet, but it's been more kind of deciding and prioritizing what's important for me in that time and kind of breaking out of the, the route that I thought I should have followed. Um, so I think it's kind of just taking a leap of faith and what I'd say to anyone is just go with your gut. So, um, as nice as you, like for me, as nice as it was to be back in Dublin, I just knew I needed to, to leave again and it was a hard decision, but I think I came out the better at the end. Yeah. So go with your gut is all I can You trust your gut on these things. Um, and then a little quick, quick fire round for you before, before Zoom kicks us out. Um, what is the best advice you've ever received on careers? Oh, um, good question. Well, one piece of advice that I kind of learned about life that I would apply to careers would be control the controllable. Um, that was a huge thing we said in, in Yelp and it's something I think is applicable applicable to anyone. So there's a lot of external factors you're going to come across um, in your career, in life that you're going to have no kind of impact on whatever you do so you need to just kind of follow your gut keep your head cool and do work hard and do whatever you can do to get where you want to go and eventually things will work out yeah yeah nice Uh, a quote to live by um quote to live by one thing i kind of heard recently that i've been applying during this whole lockdown thing has been if you get 1% better each day in a year, you'll be 365% better than you were when you started. Nice. So That's very good. Yeah. I think whether it's your career, whether it's you've taken up a hobby, doing sport, baking, start by even reading one page today and, and things will keep spiraling and yeah, baby steps. Yeah. I love that. Um, what would you recommend people like read or watch or listen to to guess that to, to basically kill the confusion on careers? Um, well, one thing is grad life. I'm not trying to uh, <laughs> plug your own show here, Mark, but uh, I think talk, it, it's just a great insight into people who are in different industries and what they're doing and, and how they got there and that there's not one fixed path. You can mold into anything you want to. Um, and then I think I, I'll have to come back to you on something more fixed. I've kind of just been getting into reading and stuff myself. I just finished the choice there and they're kind of, it's kind of talk more about you as a person as opposed to. Yeah. Your mom was actually raving about the choice to me last night, which is funny. <laughs> um, yeah. She said, it's unbelievable. So actually I need to get my hands on it. Um, it's incredible to be fair. I recommend that to anyone. And the last uh, last question for you then, like based on the things you've done or you've seen people do, what is what would you recommend people coming up behind you do? Like what's the number one thing you either wish you did or you did or you saw someone do during college or early career? Oh, um, I think it's maybe try to make yourself as well-rounded as, as possible. And kind of what I mean by that is, 
don't just focus on being the best academically don't just focus on on being the most social butterfly kind of try to be a person that kind of has a bit of everything and obviously make your personal brand be your strengths and what you're really good at but kind of try to be a bit of a jack of all trades and 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 not fall too short in any area jane myrna thank you very much that was very insightful thank you mark